Good morning, everybody. Um, welcome to this Women in Sport launch. It's very exciting. I'm really honoured and pleased to be here. So um, I'm delighted to welcome you to the Women in Sports launch of their new menopause research. The aim of this research is to inspire women to be active during midlife and menopause. During the next hour, we hope to galvanise you and your community to take action in supporting this aim and to encourage a more positive and active narrative around women as they reach this stage of life. The charity Women in Sport will be sharing for the first time a five month research project that explores women's relationship with exercise whilst going through the perimenopause and menopause. We will also be sharing a groundbreaking new curation of images and films in partnership with Getty Images. These images make women visible and highlight the endless possibilities that this stage of life may bring. Now, before we start, some housekeeping. If you'd like to ask any questions of any member of the panel or me to ask them to the panel during the discussion, can you drop them in the YouTube chat, not this Zoom chat, and we will try and answer as many as possible at the end um, of the panel. And also please join the conversation live on your social media and use our hashtag, which is hashtag menopossibilities, one word. Now, when women in sport approached me to support their work and become their midlife ambassador, I jumped at the opportunity. I'm a 52 year old woman who has discovered the life changing qualities of exercise in my mid forties. Um, I'm a cold water swimmer, particularly. That's the thing I absolutely love. Um, and I discovered it during midlife. And I have to say it's been the savior of my mental and physical health through my perimenopause. I also co-host a podcast called Postcards from Midlife, where we promote the correct prescription of hormone replacement therapy, and we hear amazing stories of women changing this tired narrative around the menopause and perimenopause and this stage of life. There is without doubt a new appetite for a positive conversation for all women about building healthy long-term lifestyle habits alongside the prescription of HRT and other intervention that might be needed from midlife onwards. Now, I know from my work in magazines, um, I've edited many glossies and worked on newspapers, that women of this age are invisible in the marketing of sport. It's been very difficult to get women into newspapers and magazines around sport at, in midlife. So in order for women to see that sport and exercise is for them in this part of their life, we need to have relatable, uplifting and inspiring images that allow them to feel part of an amazing exercise community. Images that talk to them and make them feel included and not under pressure to add one more thing to their to-do list, which is often very long in midlife. So um, in what I think is a really groundbreaking uh, idea. Part of the launch today is a curation of images and a short film produced in partnership with Getty Images. This film tells the story of women through sport and exercise who've managed their experience of perimenopause and menopause. It's, it's really lovely and I'm so pleased that uh, we've got this to show you now. Everybody seems to be a victim to it. So you accept that it's going to happen and then you just go, well, I've just got to do it. And I thought, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to change this narrative. I can't stop it, but I can maybe make myself fitter for it. I don't want to be suffering from coronary heart disease, osteoporosis, sarcopenia. I want to stave that off as far as possible, put those brick walls up, just live life to the full. It's so important to be active. Um, and get out there and, and, and not just that and meet other women that, that are the same as you and just have the same sort of problems and same fun and you know you're, you're all like a support group together really. It's just that feeling of camaraderie that we're doing it together um, and nobody pushes you, nobody forces you to go in, it's all very much a case of we all do it at our own pace and we support each other. I probably don't know what I would have done if I hadn't had football, knowing that I can actually be active while having fun it's been so important to me it's nice kind of and it's just women only space it's just you women together and you kind of rule rule the whole and um, you just feel like you rule the world actually when you're in class women haven't often put themselves first so i think now now the opportunities are there then they can actually have a bit of me time let's get the conversation of menopause out there because it's not something that should have a taboo and a stigma it's not something to be ashamed of. Well, I think that is such a lovely film and it really highlights the 
fun aspect. Um, so we are very lucky today. We have Jackie Bork from Getty Images. She's head of Creative Insights, uh, Europe, Middle East and Africa. So Jackie, tell me why um, Getty are involved in this and put Getty in the context, I think, for people listening as to, to what Getty is and why you want to do a film about women in perimenopause and menopause. Good morning, Lorraine. Um, thank you very much for having us here this morning. We're absolutely delighted. So to let everyone know, Getty Images is a leader in visual communications and our mission is to move the world through visuals. Now, in order to do that, we've long been a passionate champion of the realistic representation of everyone through inclusive visual storytelling, but especially when it comes to breaking down visual stereotypes about getting older. So to that end of Getty Images, we set up the Disrupt Aging Collection about two years ago now, working in partnership with AARP to yeah. really disrupt and very much redefine visuals of showing what it means to get older. So to that end, we were absolutely delighted to work with women in sport to really focus on, and as you can see in the video, to be invited into the worlds of these great women across the UK between the ages of 40 to 55, who are either experiencing the perimenopause, the menopause, are proactively supporting the physical needs of other ladies going through this life stage. And for us, it was very important, Lorraine, from an authenticity point of view, that this collection of content is very much 100% powered by women. So that means who is telling the yeah. stories behind the camera, as well as who's telling stories in front of the camera. So all of it has been from the research that's driven it, the creative insights, the art direction, the photographers, the videographers. It has been a very heartfelt and emotional collaboration between all of us to really stand up and bring to the Disrupt Aging Collection this storytelling for brands and customers to use around the world. I think that's the absolute key. So having worked on the big newspapers and, you know, I worked on the Times and the Sunday Times and when a picture desk is looking for a picture of a woman over 40, <laughs> it's, been, it's been a difficult ask to not find a very static placid picture of a woman who is visibly a lot older I would say than 40 or, or 50 actually for certain things these images don't exist and that's what's really important here Getty is the supplier of these images so if anyone watching if you are using or looking for images around this stage of life and you want to show a positive way of women exercising and getting active then this they, they now exist so disrupted aging it now exists for you to be a reference on so please absolutely make the most of it um, do you think this will change the, the mindset of the picture editors, the, the communities, all, all the PRs, the marketing teams? Um, Jackie, is that, that going to work? Are you hoping that will work that way? Yeah, we're, we very much um, are passionate about this, Lorraine. We do expect, because we always know um, yeah. that if you can't see something, right, you can't, yeah, be, can't it. be it. Yeah. Uh, but you also can't use it from the point of views of, of brands and media. So we're very much encouraging, as you've just said, Lorraine, a very rallying call that if you're a fitness provider or you're a sports brand or you're even a general lifestyle business, by choosing these particular visuals, which I think can represent women at this stage in life, you are actually creating a far more inclusive visual language that will ultimately lead to greater engagement from women at this life stage. And I think given the COVID impact, and we know there's been lots of stories in the media yeah. where it hasn't always been equally felt by everyone, and there has been in some cases an unequal impact on women, that it has never been more important to create visuals that are not only aspirational, but also relate relatable, that will make women feel included and will actively take part in sport and yeah. fitness for their physical needs. No, it's really good. Well done on spearheading this and brilliant uh, as an all-woman team. So thank you very much, Jackie. Thank you. So we've heard about the importance, and I'm sure everyone listening knows about the importance of sport and exercise um, and community around that for women at this stage of life. So it isn't easy, though. We know that for everybody. It's the sandwich generation. There's a lot going on when you hit midlife to fit some kind of activity, and that often feels a bit impossible, and women find it difficult to find their way into exercise. So to that end, uh, I'm going to welcome Liz Prince, who's the Insight Manager at women in sport to tell us more about the new insight about perimenopause menopause and midlife hi liz thanks so much lorraine and thanks jackie as well for the brilliant insights about the importance of images i think that's really important 
So we embarked on this project to really understand what life is like for women in midlife, including going through menopause. And we followed 30 women across five months and formed relationships with them and really got to know them. And at the end of our research, we had an um, exercise exploration with some of them to follow, follow them through the journey of taking part in exercise and kickstarting that journey again. And so what that allowed us to do is rather than having women reflecting on things that had happened quite a long time ago, we actually were right there with them as they went through that um, journey back into exercise. And that really allowed us to see very clearly the barriers and motivations that they were experiencing firsthand. This research was with women in lower socioeconomic groups because we know that women in those groups are likely to be less active. And indeed the women in this research were inactive either because they'd lapsed from being active previously or because they'd never been particularly active before. So before I talk you through the findings, I want you to hear from some of the women themselves. So just bear with me as I share my screen with you. Here we go. Sometimes I get to the point where I think I can't cope anymore. It's all too much. Or sometimes I think, oh my God, everyone's just taking advantage of me. I'm sick of running around. I'm tired. I need a break. Menopause has had a great impact on my health and really changed me as a person. I feel, where has all this time gone? How come? People didn't talk about it or I didn't get the advice and information that I needed. It's almost like it's something that we have to go through in silence. The older I get, the more I'm reflecting on my life. Now I'm getting older, my quality of life won't be as good if the health isn't there. I'm seeing that with my dad. I do look at my dad and think, I don't want to be like that. I joined the gym and for a full year I used to go religiously, three or four times a week, and I lost loads of weight. And then my mum needed to have knee surgery and then it all stopped because I needed to look after her. The thing that's stopping me is me. Looking at all the fit young people in the pictures for the gym, I feel a bit intimidated. I've never been an exerciser and I've always found it hard. I've tried gyms, I've tried everything and I really don't like it. They have exercise equipment in the parks, but although they are a good idea to have, I would feel like an idiot using them in a public space. I think we are an untapped market. If they actually offered something relevant to us, I'd say they'd be pushing at an open door. life is like at midlife, but these barriers don't appear out of nowhere. They're cumulative and they've built up over a lifetime of experiences. We recognize that keeping fit and active and getting enough physical activity is really important for both men and women, but we know that women and girls are consistently less active throughout their lives than men and boys. And we also know that there are two key differences, um, one being the physical changes that women go through throughout their lives, and the other being the societal expectations that differ for men and women. 
So I just want to touch on the life stages that lead up to midlife. Starting with primary school, we know that already at this age, girls are facing huge gender stereotypes and they tell us from a very young age that, that, they, that they think boys are stronger, that they're better at sport and they're more capable. And we also know that team sport provision for girls at this age is pretty dismal. And then we move into the teenage years and the physical changes around puberty and attitudes from others steal girls' confidence. And this is also a time when that idea of not being sporty is really cemented for girls. So we see a massive drop off at this stage actually. And then moving into adulthood, especially for those women who start families, we really see another drop in exercise levels and this sense that women can't prioritize themselves, that they, the family has to come first. And this is when that dynamic of the woman really being the chief carer in the family um, starts to play in. And then we get to midlife. And this is the opposite of the time when teenage girls feel all too scrutinized because actually women in midlife feel undervalued um, and ignored actually. And this is especially true in the world of sport and exercise. But this is a time when exercise can be so valuable as Lorraine has already noted in both the physical and mental well-being of women going through the hormonal shift of menopause. So it's really problematic that a third of women in this life stage are actually not getting the recommended amount of exercise. But we know that taking action before later life can actually have such an impact on healthy life expectancy. So with a growing aging population, with working, women working later and living longer, there's really a huge missed opportunity here. And when it comes to menopause, women told us so much that this really was an isolating experience and it just felt taboo. So women didn't really feel like they could talk to other people about it. They felt shame around it because it wasn't discussed. They didn't feel like they got good advice from their GPs quite often. And all of this came together and made them feel really alone in dealing with the menopause. And indeed, they felt like they didn't know what they were going, if what they were going through was normal or not because they weren't really comparing notes with anyone. And I should note here that when I say menopause, I'm using the broad term, but really what I mean is everything from perimenopause to postmenopause. Women told us as well that they, they felt a bit like they were on the scrap heap, like they weren't, won't, weren't, sorry, won't, they were not worth the investment um, anymore because they were past the point of being able to have children because they'd lost some of that beauty that comes with youth. And they really felt as well like menopause was the butt of jokes. You know, there's that sexist cliched humor, especially about hot flushes. So this was not a point where they felt valued by society generally. They also told us that they felt ignored and irrelevant at this life stage. And I think Lorraine has spoken to that quite nicely in terms of the images that we see in the media. Um, and I think we sensed a fair bit of anger from women that menopause had been brushed under the carpet so much and that their needs time and again hadn't been met during this life stage. But at the same time as feeling ignored, women told us that they felt like they were the linchpins of their family and that everything relied on them. So there's this huge amount of pressure on them to put others first. But there is good news and there are things that we can capitalize on to help women in midlife lead, lead healthy, happy lives. The first is that we found that menopause can actually really be a time of reappraisal when women are thinking about their values and how they want to spend their time. So actually this is a really great time to reintroduce exercise. The second is something that probably many of us on this call from the sports sector know. You know we know sport and exercise can provide really meaningful benefits. And that can include things like making new friends, improved mental well-being, um, getting away from the busyness of life for just a little bit of time. But we also know that it can have benefits into later life. And that can include bone health, that include, can include a slew of physical health problems, and it can even help with Alzheimer's and dementia, which is the number one killer of women in the UK. And perhaps the best news that we heard is that women actually want to be more active at this life stage. So in our previous research, 84% of inactive women told us that they wanted to be more active and 90% of women told us that they would consider exercise if it was recommended by a GP or health professional. So we've got this great opportunity 
But now we need to think about how we can help women achieve this and be more active. And we know that the first step to getting back into exercise or starting it for the first time can be the hardest. So we need to think about how to help women take that first step and kickstart their journey. We've got four areas to focus on here. The first is around possibility. We have to change women's mindsets and tell them that it's not too late, whether they're 40, whether they're 50, it's not too late to be active and that they can find something that they enjoy and can take part in. Number two is reframing and broadening the idea of what sport and exercise can be. So we need to show women that it can be much broader than just a few boring activities that they might've tried before and maybe hated. We need to make it easy to find these activities and to join in. Women are leading hugely pressurized lives during this time and we don't want finding activity to be yet another thing that takes up time on their to-do list. So let's make this easy. And then the last thing is about support. So really making sure that women don't feel alone and we need to help them take this first step. And we need to think about what that support looks like both within the activity, but also supporting them before they even get to that point so that they can start to be active. And so we've developed five principles to help the sports sector activate this knowledge and really think about how they can help women get active in midlife. And I'll just run through them with you now. The first is around endless possibilities. The women in our study almost exclusively listed running, swimming, um, walking, and going to the gym when we asked them what sport and exercise meant to them. And that was it. But actually we know that there can be so many more activities out there that women can find and that they can love to be taking part in. So we need to, to provide those activities, even if someone is a beginner, and we need to show women that those possibilities exist. The second is around this judgment-free zone. Women told us in really clear and devastating terms how much shame and embarrassment they had around being active, especially when it came to extra weight they felt like they were carrying. One woman in our study actually told us that she felt like she had to get fit before she could even go into the gym. And other women have told me that they get up at 4 a.m. to go for a run because they're so embarrassed to be seen in public because of their weight. And I think we have to we have to say that this kind of shame and embarrassment has no place in sport and exercise environments that are meant to be fun and enjoyable. And we need to provide judgment-free zones for women, regardless of physique, regardless of age, regardless of skill in the sport or activity, so that women feel like they can be themselves and come into these environments. And we need to make sure that we're communicating that judgment-free ethos in our communications as well, so that women know it before they even show up. And related to this is the idea of the support network, the third principle. And this is about offering that built-in social support, whether it's virtual, whether it's in person, to really make sure that women feel like they belong in this space, um, because that sense of belonging is what's going to make them comfortable and keep them coming back. The fourth, and this is really where that great Getty video and all of the Getty images come in, is expanding the image of what it means to be sporty. So women told us time and again that what they saw in advertisements for sport and exercise was young, slim women, and they didn't see themselves. So they need to be seeing women of their age, women of their physique, but they also need to be hearing the stories of these women so that they can see these relatable stories and think help, that will help them think through how they too can make that journey to being active. And the last is run making it relevant. So referencing specific relevant benefits to make sure that the needs of different women are met and also to make sure that we're talking about benefits that inspire them to be active. I focused in this presentation on what the sports sector needs to do, but the reality is that all parts of society really must do more now to support women in midlife. Women in midlife are so often the engines that make our families run and indeed make society run. And it's past time for us to support them and give them what they need. We've got a great conversation going with, with our launch here and with the Davina McCall um, show and so many other things going on, but it's so important that we all now join in this conversation and do what we can to make sure that women in midlife live happy, healthy lives now and in the future. Thank you.
back to you, Lorraine. That's great. That's I think that uh, report probably sums up what a lot of you um, have been reading. So to recap, then the Davina documentary is streaming on all four. It's a dispatches investigation into sex myths and the menopause, if you want to watch that. Um, also, I just think quickly explain perimenopause and menopause, because I think people are asking questions about the, the age um, of the survey. So perimenopause starts any time after 40, generally in most women, and that is the, the fluctuation of your hormones. And menopause starts the day after your last period. And that the average age of that in this country is 52. So that just sets the context. Um, and I think you're incredibly right. This conversation has to be also among men involved in the sporting sector. I think if men know more about it, they can be much more helpful face to face with the community. And if we have any GPs who work in this area, then please, please educate yourself on women and the menopause and what the engines um, of the family need. So really important headlines. It's a really brilliant survey. And I would now like to invite our panel to discuss how we move beyond this insight um, into actual action. So joining us today, we have Stephanie Hilborn, who is Chief Executive of the charity Women in Sport, Anna-Marie Phelps, who is Chair of the British Horse Racing Authority and Vice Chair of the British Olympic Association. We have Dame Louise Macon, who is Designate Chair of Halma, a non-executive director at women's pharmaceutical company, Theramex, and Nina Kuypers, um, who you saw in the video, um, who is part of the Getty Image Project, and uh, um, she's also on Twitter, actually. Nina's a really brilliant voice, um, I think, in the menopause uh, area. So we're going to start with lovely Nina. Um, and I think the really good point to make here, um, Nina, is that thing about running and swimming. Those tend to be the sports in your head in midlife. And you think, well, I can't do that. I can't. But you don't. You do something different, don't you? You do quite a lot of different sports. Explain your attitude and how you've, you learn to fit being active into midlife. So it was a bit of a shock and, and thank you to everybody for inviting me to this. So I see my whole menopause as a holiday and had a crash landing, not really knowing what perimenopause was. But the activities I do because I'm I'm 48 and I'm postmenopausal now and I'm a, um, what would be classed as a geriatric mum to a nine year old. So I do skateboarding, taekwondo, because I just felt it's important that as it's been said, we are the central points as our family. And I see myself as the sun and circling around that sun is my parents, my job, my immediate family, my friends. But I need to keep my health and happiness together. And as we're orbiting around me as that central figure, that's vitally important. And any type of activity is key so I got to this age thinking you know what it, it doesn't matter I'm postmenopausal now and it's important that I have healthy aging I want to live a fruitful life and be able to see my mum grow up sorry my son grow up even <laughs> that'd be a bit weird wouldn't it um so you have those three types of women of my age that have young children and then you've got the empty nesters but then you've got women people that don't have children and we need to take care of ourselves what would have been part. barriers to you nina to exercising because would you have considered yourself i mean the word sport is slightly off-putting for some women in midlife isn't it what stopped you doing it so i think it comes with negative connotations when yeah. you go back to school and I think that plays a concrete yeah. foundation in many women's lives of not wanting to do sport. So it should be seen as physical activity. Our bodies are made for moving. And I see it as we all are having, you know, we are an inner child. Then does it matter? Let's not be judgmental. I know it's hard. And those stories that come out, I go running now early in the morning because I'm still terrified of what people will judge me on doing but then I get you know I get on the skateboard with my son and it's about my happiness and his happiness and if he sees what I'm doing and enjoying it then he doesn't you know he thinks it's absolutely yeah. fantastic and do you think that the support of other women has been instrumental in you exercising more yes I think as women we just need to come together and support each other not to judge and let's not compare each other that is the thief of joy 
So being in that environment, whether you want to do activity by yourself or in that group setting, which is important for that social and emotional support for one another, it's, mm. it's just something that we need to get rid of this stigma and taboo. It's going to happen to us. And I wish I'd been informed because I would have made changes or healthier changes to enable me to have a, a, a longer, fruitful life and, and know what all of these things are about. That's important, is it? Now, Louise, so in the context um, of us all trying to get um, the female workforce um, educated around this. And we know that keeping active keeps your brain healthy, which keeps you in work. Now, the biggest growing sector in the workforce at the moment is women over 50. So I think it's something like 4.5 million. Now, these women need as much support as possible. So how do you think corporate Britain could help um, support the female workforce as they go through midlife, through the symptoms of perimenopause and menopause? Thank you, Lorraine, and thank you, Stephanie, and, and the invite to this. I think it's such an important topic. You know, the first thing for corporate Britain is they've even got to recognise that women's midlife is a thing. So, I, you know, you go back and you think, well, you know, they, they did recognise men's midlife was a thing and they got into obesity and drinking and at the top of organisations, people had corporate health checkups, etc. But actually, corporate Britain hasn't ever got to grips with the fact that that the women's midlife could be causing retention and productivity issues. And if we can make that link, which I think all the evidence is coming out now and the fact that it's getting talked about, that's the absolute key because the corporate Britain's used to dealing with female issues that they think are linked to productivity and retention. Yeah. 20 years ago, 30 years ago, maternity leave was terrible. You know, women were going to, uh, we won't recruit women because they're going to be pregnant and, and lose them. Think how far we've come on things like pregnancy, maternity, and think also how far we're coming in terms of um, diversity, inclusion, and women at the top of companies. There's a massive, massive push on that in corporate Britain. Yeah, the I thing think that's it's not. It's very Sorry. important within the HR policies now, isn't it, to make sure that we have inclusion within workforces, don't we? Absolutely. So once it's part and once it's linked to the fact that actually, just as with young women, they might get pregnant and we've all got, de got good at dealing with that. When you get midlife women and, and your stats are you know, really illuminating, then they have issues, too. And we need to do the things that corporates are very good at doing once they've made that link. Once they've recognised that this is a, an issue that could be affecting their productivity, they need to tackle it like any other thing. And I think the specific thing that I think COVID might have helped is that understanding that flexibility is key, particularly for the active part of, of the midlife. So, you know, getting women together, talking about it in the corporate, working out what policies people could have and seeing that as a competitive advantage is what corporation is the route to making corporates see this as, as, as a value adding thing. And if we can learn the lessons of the flexibility and the working from home, and it doesn't matter what hours you do, it's actually getting the job done and allow women to be able to do things in working time when perhaps those other demands on them are, are being taken care of. Those are all the things that will really, really help. So it's got to start with yeah. recognizing it linking it and then following the pathway that corporates have done many many times before i think also the other thing from the experts we've spoken to on our podcast about this is flexibility is part of the definitely part of the argument but it's not the answer um, one of the bigger answers would be allowing access if you have health provision within your uh, workspace or your employer um, directs you to that that, that you're, anyone you're working with from a health point of view understands how to prescribe HRT around the menopause and understands the symptoms of the menopause. We know the majority of women are offered, mistakenly offered antidepressants. That's something we learned from the Davina McCall programme. So flexibility is great, um, but you, if you are working with health professionals supporting your workforce you need to make sure those health professionals understand perimenopause and menopause and actually talk about it within the environment and the, you know when people are in the building they should be that should be something that's part of the conversation um, do you think the health sector is applying um, as business because it's a big employer the health sector is applying as much um, 
weight of seriousness to perimenopause and menopause and women in midlife? No, I, I don't think it is. Um, you know, I, I think that the um, that um, WHI um, yeah. report in 2000 has, has sort of led to a lost generation. I, I think we are on the cusp now yeah, of things being talked about. Um, HRT is great for midlife. And if you want to get people active, then you can, you know, the flexibility, I think, really helps to address some yeah. of the key things that are coming in, in this report. Um, but no, I've talked to physios, I've talked to mm. GPs, and they're all saying the physio that, that, that I worked with through, through that um, just said, well, no one ever talks about it. And even the women don't want to talk about it because they think oh. they shouldn't. I think they should cope. I they know. Should, it's... They, they should cope. And actually, when she gets referrals from mm. um, consultants, they don't mention it. But often, uh, yeah. you know, and, and the weight gain that, that happens around the midriff, that's all the things that make women not prepared to do anything about it. So we've just got to talk about it, get it out there. Yeah. It is natural. It happens to everybody, more or less, and get go through those, those pathways that we've done with so many other things. And I think now's the right. time we've got a confluence of real focus on diversity and inclusion and the benefits. We've got learnings from COVID and we've got super pieces of work like this. It's brilliant. It's a perfect storm. It's the right moment, isn't it? Um, Anna-Marie, do you think the sports sector is doing enough to tailor its offers to meet the needs of women in midlife? Do you know, I, I don't think that the sports sector really has thought about it at all, no. to be quite honest. Well, most sectors haven't. <laughs> we no. know this now. <laughs> I mean, I, I think there are opportunities in the sports sector. Um, I think there are offerings that can meet some of women's needs at that time of life. But I don't think they're designed specifically with the menopausal period of our life in, you know, in mind. Um, so, you, do you know, we think do, they kind of think after 40, that's it. We're not really interested in that age group in terms of sport and exercise because the mental attaching of the word sport and exercise to 40 year old, 40 plus year old women just doesn't happen in the sports sector. Um, I don't think that's strictly true. Mm. Um, I think there is definitely um, a business imperative for some gyms and things to, to have yeah. classes for older women or older people. Um, and Steph and I were talking about this, you know, uh, if I, I mean, I'm, I'm 55 nearly. So if I wanted to go to an over 50s class, would I equally want to be sort of trying to do the same sorts of exercises as my mum, who's in his late 70s? So you know, if it's yeah. an over 50s on its own, it doesn't really mean no. it's for me. I don't, you know, I look at things like over 50s care homes and think, oh, crikey, you know, is that, is that me? Am I? Am I that age? I don't now? believe I am over fifty, even though my birth certificate would say uh, opposite of that. But but I think that there are that, you know if you look at competitive sports, for example, and, and my sport when I was when I was really active was rowing. Um, you become a masters rower, a veteran rower, at the age of about thirty in rowing, and they have age sectors every ten years. Yeah. So I can row in a you know a fifty to sixty age group or a sixty to seventy or whatever my so I think competitive sport and, and a number of sports have that, you know, those sort of very confined um, age yeah. brackets where you are with people who are about your age and you're competitive, but you're not seriously competitive always. You know, it's not sort of. Yeah. Um, and I mean, that's but, a good point to make, isn't it? Some women take up sport. We interviewed Louise Minchin uh, on the podcast, a BBC presenter, and she'd taken up fairly serious triathlons in her 40s um, but had to deal with the perimenopause symptoms at the same time so that you, you it is another place you can be active very competitively if you want you can but I don't I mean I think that sort of happened because it's transferred across yeah. from what men wanted to do and, and the sort yes. of traditions of yeah. of those sports it's not there's nothing around it that's making it more mm. flexible for women of of that age who's doing it right is there an organization we could hold up um uh, for everyone listening as an example of who's getting it right um uh, do you know I, I i don't know who's getting it absolutely right i think there are real opportunities out there but i think women have to go and find them still yeah um We're i think you're know, do doing that. a great job at getting women back yeah. into being active great. i think you know i would say rowing because you know the opportunities are there and i have a fantastic group of women who i row with irregularly but we get together and, and they range from about late thirties through to early sixties. And we go out in an eight and we have a fantastic time. Nobody judges anybody else. We're all very focused. We want to make it work. We want to have a great outing, but you know, it's not judgmental. And we do have aspirations to go and race somewhere. 
so so there are opportunities but i i don't know that there are i, I think gyms don't get it right at no all. they get it very wrong i think um uh, even i who spent years and years training really seriously would be quite frightened about going into a gym now I've that, you know, i would be being judged and i and i know how to use that equipment and i'm you know mm. i'm not that unfit so um, I think there's an awful lot more that they that they can do and that they can do they you know they can use people that do that, that are of menopausal mm. age to, to role model for other women and to encourage them because at this age we're at the height of our careers often we're earning more money than we ever had you know there's a real business opportunity for yes. the sports sector yeah. to get hold yeah. of women of this age as well it's not just because it's the right thing to do. I think swim, I would say open water swimming has embraced the midlife community I, very thoroughly. I'd probably think the average age of the women I meet doing that is, is about 45. So, <laughs> it's, But that's happened naturally, I think, organically rather than um, as a specific strategy. So, Stephanie, women in sport, this what do, what do you want to see? What is the next steps? What's the action that can be taken from everyone listening? Well, I mean, you've covered a huge amount of it. I think the, the first thing we will be doing is working very closely with the sports sector to, to use some of our findings from the insights to help um, them with the programmes, because I think the will is there. Um, I think inspiring women, as we say, with, with possibilities and just reminding ourselves, of which you've been great at emphasising, that you know, sport actually derives from a word which means Desporté, the old French, which is about carrying away from responsibility. It's meant to be joyful. Um, it's meant to be about fun. Um, and I think that's really critical. Obviously, there's changes in medical situation when you're sort of urgent rush to um, educate all the GPs who I saw yeah. as a 53-year-old. We're gathered here today who about the, only the seventh one did nothing about it. Um, and, and, you know, beyond that, prescribed sport and ex exercise. So that, as we heard in the talk, if we know if people are actually told by their doctor to do something, they tend to, to yeah. do it. Um, there's the business role, and I think Louise has been brilliant at, at uh, talking about that. And one aspect that's particularly relevant post-pandemic is any business that is wanting to, if it is being fairly flexible, but wanting to encourage women back into the office. And there is a real risk the gender gap in pay will increase again now because yeah. generally if there's options women will be less likely to come in and the blokes will stitch stuff up themselves without us um, but if they want to encourage women back what about you know some more community-based physical activity that women could do connected to being in the office you know let's think about the, the the areas around offices how we use them and then there's big wider social change you know one part of that has got to be the social care crisis, which is picked yes. up by women. And there was an appalling headline in the Daily Mail in April this year, which said how stupid it was that we were increasing the retirement age for women, because that's putting all the costs of care back on the state. And, um, you know, the, the reality is, unless we sort the social care system, we will, as women, carry on picking up that huge burden of care. But by 59, half of women um, are caring for elderly relatives mm. and that doesn't happen to men until they're 75 on average yeah. Yeah. Um, and then I mean looking to our men as allies you know men listening to this it's about stepping up and expecting the women in your life to have fun and go out and do physical exercise in a fun way and even play team sport which is the biggest gender gap that we still have 20 to 25 percent gender gap and that loss of the joy of being in joint endeavor in the team sport is really sad um and you know practical about helping your um your daughter your your wife your friend to do that so it's a big change in societal expectations but i mean we would take some practical steps initially with the sports sector in particular to help people along the way that's brilliant thank you very much those are some very good points actually we have had a few questions which I can ask now but um, we've got time now I think um, for a couple of questions before we uh, end the presentation today in the panel so one of the questions that I've had um, sent through and I think um, I think maybe well I don't know maybe Louise can answer this I think I guess from is is how we educate the men involved um, in sport and on the kind of front line uh, with women, communities of midlife women. What is, are there any organisations doing this well? Are there any men we think are leaders for, are our best cheerleaders for this within sport now? 
Um, I let Anne-Marie talk about sport um, in terms of the cheerleaders there because she's mm. probably closer to it. I do think that there is a, a growing understanding. I mean, it's a generational thing, isn't it? And yeah. that's another thing I think that's in our favour as well. I think generations coming up um, both male and female are much more open to the fact that life is complicated and, and is definitely not the same uh, for women. And I think women coming through are much more demanding now of what they will accept and what they won't. And, and that it shouldn't all be, be one way traffic. We can't just wait for that. Um, but I think it's it's just talking about it. You know, we, yeah. we need to talk about it. We need to just say it's, it's just like everything else it's as I say it's not something that is an affliction it's not something that you've brought on yourself it's happening to absolutely everybody um and you know I always love to paint a picture and think if women had been dominant in the corporate world what would it have been like mm. and actually can you imagine there would have just been you getting to 40 you have these special health health things that HRT is supplied all the things that you were saying yeah. they would have just been the norm and I think we've got to try and paint that picture to, to everybody yes. to say, well, you know, why can't we have that as well as all the things we've got? It, it does seem relatively simple. I just want to mention a book, actually, if there are any men listening who want to know more about the menopause. It's a book. Um, it's a Haynes manual, um, as in the old classic car manuals, a Haynes manual to the menopause, <laughs> uh, which has been written by uh, Dr. Louise Newson. It's really, really good. It's got everything in there. So if you're a man listening, you're in the frontline services and someone you just want quick information, that book would be good for your organisation. I have been asked about cold water swimming here um, because there's been a, uh, it's a 72 percent female participation uh, group um, people are asking why <laughs> why we think that but I suppose Stephanie you're best and why that particular sport seems to have really grabbed the this is outdoor swimming in the cold that re really grabbed people's imagination and it does indeed feature in the Getty film Stephanie what do you think I, well you are doing it and I wish I was doing it um, but I there's there's a sense like, so I don't know the answer scientifically and maybe we should mm. research it but I think there is a sense of freedom attached to it. And if you connect that to the sort of sense of being in a pressure cooker that you feel in midlife as a woman, the absolute opposite to that is being away from people watching you um, in the sea or in a lake or in a river, um, submerged, you know, free, you know, like a child really. And there's something completely almost the opposite to how your daily life is feeling. And you know, I think it's, it is really interesting, though, that, that women have gravitated yeah. so actively towards that. There, there may be physiological things, which I'm we not don't know that yet, the research. Yeah. yeah. I think the other fabulous thing about that particular sport is that um, as far as I have seen and experienced in five years of doing it, no one cares what they look like or what their body yeah, looks exactly. like. So while yeah. running seems, you know, four o'clock a.m. To, <laughs> to run, um, and also that is a community where we all are the same as well. What we, It would be great if we could create that feeling. It's, and it's also less about exercise. It's more about being in nature and being in the woods. There's no timings. You don't need your watches or gadgets. You can do all of that, but you don't need to do all that. I think creating that feeling, I guess, somewhere else would be helpful, wouldn't it, Anna-Marie, do you think? <laughs> Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, I, I think there's also something about safety in numbers. So once you've got yes. that momentum of a lot of women yeah, doing it in point. groups, then you're going to attract more sort of magnet magnetize them to it. And it's certainly, you know, I, I think in sports like netball, it's similar, but you know, that there you've yeah. got the you're you're standing out and you've got to jump and run and things like that. I think swimming, which is a, you know, your your body is supported you you are as, as Steph has said submerged it's a it's a little like rowing as well you know you're you're away you're sitting you're not having to jump up and down and you're not making mistakes as it were you just do what what you feel comfortable doing so I, I think there are there are elements like that about the open water swimming and I think that it will help women get into other sports potentially as well yeah. once you build that confidence and you feel a bit fitter and stronger and um, I think it, you will see people move on from doing that maybe to doing competitive swimming or triathlons or well or I think things. if you can stand anywhere in your swimming costume outside <laughs> after 50 it's pretty much gives you enough confidence to do any other sport I would say um Liz can I ask you um uh, about the research again 
Um, just because somebody's asked a question about ageism, how do we change the attitude? From all the women you've spoken to, that kind of their attitudes towards them and actually about themselves, what, what is ageism really? What do you think from the research we learned that we can do to change that? Now, I think that the images are a huge part of that. And that this is where that sort of expanding the image of what sporty looks like, but also as you've been talking about, making sure that we have very relatable women in the media, in um, images across the sort of spectrum of, of what we see when we think about women in midlife. Um, I mean, ageism, it's a big question. And I, I don't yeah. think that we can sort of resolve that in, in one piece of research, but it, it does feel like it certainly plays a role in the way society treats women. Yeah. Um, and so I think it does go back to those relatable role models and putting more women in midlife and of different physiques as well, but also different ages um, in the forefront. So that's if you're running a gym, if you're working with clients, if you're a physio working with people, just making sure that your imagery is appropriate and reflects everybody and includes everybody. That's a very good point. That's exactly right. And I think Carol, who runs the Crawley Old Girls Club, she was in the video, does yeah. exactly that. She does a yeah. brilliant job of it. She makes sure that all of the advertising on her website for the football is of real women in midlife so that others can see themselves in that and can see that it's for them. And that's really crucial. Well, thank you very much, everybody, for your time. I hope it's been helpful. I hope um, an army of people will go away from this with great thoughts about how to change the narrative. Um, it's been really good to chat. And I think we are all warriors on this front, aren't we now? We're all out there. So anyone listening, please continue to post what you think the solutions and possibilities are for women. Do use the hashtag menopossibilities um, and tell us how you will be supporting the women you work with to get active in midlife. Maybe share your own menopause or perimenopause journey. Um, also visit Disrupting Aging, the curation on the Getty Images website. Women in Sport are going to send all the attendees here who signed up on Eventbrite links to the research, the short film um, and the images. I think we've really got to keep talking about this. We've got to use the word menopause, perimenopause. We've got to educate ourselves on the prescribing of HRT and all the other holistic lifestyle changes we might be able to make to make life just more brilliant for women in midlife and to stop us becoming, as we'd said in the survey, undervalued and in invisible. I think the engines of the family need to be protected um, as we call them, which I think is a brilliant phrase. So if you can spare a few more minutes, um, we are going to show the full length um, mini film that's been made um, to show all the menopossibilities possibilities that every woman in midlife must have and lies ahead. So thank you very much. It's a very important piece of work. So keep spreading the word and thank you for joining us today, everyone. <laughs>